Well, welcome to the follow-up podcast. My name is Hayden. I am the worship director here at Arbor Church, and today I'm joined by Allison Oconee, our community care pastor, and Scott Hetherington, an elder here at Arbor, and I'm part of our speaking team, and he opened up our series, Forgiveness. And Scott, uh, if I'm correct, probably not correct on the title, but the idea, you talked about forgiveness in the Old Testament. Is that correct? Yes, we were trying to paint a picture of what was forgiveness like in the Old Testament, which only covers a ton of books in history. Yeah, we. It's no funny. small feet. No small feet. It's just a whole year long course study in college. Exa- but that's okay. I, yeah. We're gonna do it in one Sunday. That's something that Scott and I actually talked about right after service because uh, he was talking about the length that he had to go, and it's so difficult with some of these topics because it really does deserve a few more weeks to talk about it. You're talking about a large portion of our Bible and Hey Scott, can you come summarize this and just give us the silver lining so we don't have to read through the whole old Testament. So it's not good to ask a long winded guy that likes to hear himself talk to summarize something. (laughs) But as I was sitting there listening, I also thought in order to take it all in, like there's so much Mm -hmm. to take in that each speaker in the series probably will touch on familiar themes throughout yep. it. Like we'll refer back to your content um, as we pull our content forward. And it's probably helpful Yeah, because who could take it all in all at once, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So probably that little um, as we go is going to be really helpful. Yeah. When I thought it was, it was great in your message that you covered so much of stories about offenses happening and then forgiveness happening, right? Like you talked about Adam and Eve in the garden. Um, you talked about um, the Israelites and the serpent on um, the staff. And then you went into Hebrews. So as I was looking at your notes on Saturday night, I was like, wow, he's covering the whole gambit. Like Old Testament, <laughs> one of the hardest books to preach, Hebrews. And then I saw a, a piece of scripture from Romans and I'm like, wow, he is given himself quite the chore, but you did a great job. And it's, um, it's the first time that I've heard you speak in a, in a little bit, you've been off the schedule and it was nice to have you up here. And, um, I thought you did an amazing job with, uh, kind of illustrating the hiding versus asking for forgiveness when you talked about the chisel. And it made me think back to my childhood. Cause I had so many stories like that. I had a, I had a grandfather that collected, um, Hot Wheel cars. Oh, yeah. He kept them in the plastic and the cardboard, right? Yeah. And I was probably an elementary schooler and <laughs> I saw one and I was like, that's so cool. And then I took it out of the plastic to play with it. And then um, I immediately remembered what I did. I was like, oh my gosh, he collects these. I've just ruined it by taking it out of the plastic. There so then your I, college savings. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So then I hit it and he was looking for it and he noticed, like he walked in and noticed right off the bat. He's like, where is this, you know, 90 something Corvette at. And I just was like freaking out. <laughs> Thankfully my dad stepped in and, um, and it was all resolved. But when you said that story, it was such a good illustration of, um, sin and our desire to hide it and just avoid the conflict when really there's no point to God already knows what's happened. And sometimes right. the best thing is for us to just, um, be upfront and ask for forgiveness. But I want to talk about, um, a little bit this series. This has been something that we've been talking about doing for, I want to say, probably back to the new year, right? Is when yeah. we started talking about it. Yeah, when we laid out the spring, yeah. like where we're 
where would we go, particularly around Easter? Yeah. Um, we just let ourselves dream and yep. and seek the Lord on mm-hmm. what do we feel like Arbor needs yeah. in this in this month. Yeah. Um, especially flanking Easter again, the pre-Easter crowd and then the post-Easter mm-hmm. crowd. Um, what message would he have for us to get? Yeah. And this was also an, kind of another uh, passion project of yours, Allison, right? Like you you were the one that came up with Circles, which was awesome. A lot of um, amazing stories from that. And then I think you were the one that had the idea for forgiveness, right? What was what was the reasoning that you wanted to go there, especially with the calendar lining up with Easter? Well, in this dream world that I live in with sermon <laughs> planning, I, I always think that there's, if you look at Easter and mm-hmm. there's a cross there, and then there's like the BC and AD yep. almost mm-hmm. like before I knew Christ or before yep. Christ came and did yep. a work and then after. Yeah. Um, and so it's so cool to set up a series around that pre and post yep. Easter experience. Yep. Um, Cause it actually, it just affects everything. The cross mm-hmm. affects everything. Yeah. Um, when we, prayed about where Arbor was at particularly, um, the season, um, for Arbor seemed to be one of forgiveness and mercy Yeah, and reminding ourselves, what is God's heart for that? Um, what does it look like on a practical level? And sure enough, <laughs> as we study these subjects, God gives us opportunity to apply them like yep. in our personal life. Yep. Like we might see more need for forgiveness in our family mm. this month than yeah. before yeah. or online um, mm-hmm. or <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And, and so it's brutal in mm-hmm. a way. I, even just asked myself the other day, like, why did I pick this one? (laughs) (laughs) But it's appropriate because we're leading up to Easter, which is all about forgiveness. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this is, um, we've talked about kind of how the series got started, um, in the formation of it. And then we're looking at week one and Scott's sharing about forgiveness in the old Testament. Mm -hmm. Was there any connection for you, Scott, coming into this was, is the old Testament something that you're really passionate about studying or was it just another one of those messages that was hard? So we're like, let's give it to Scott. (laughs) No, I don't think that was it. Maybe. I always say that tongue in cheek, but now you got me wondering now, Hayden. Um, No, I had met with Cliff and because he's doing the next two parts of it. And he had told me that, you know, we're breaking it down into Old Testament um, when Jesus was on earth and then leading into the resurrection and Easter and all that. So he had asked me if I would do the Old Testament part and him and I chat a little bit about the direction he was wanting to go. Mm -hmm. And that's what led to me doing this opening part. Yeah. Um, when he talked to you, was it, um, like right away, some ideas were swirling or were you like, okay, I really have to go and look at this because really it was no small feat to take so much of the history of Israel and the old Testament and kind of say, what was the, the, the followers of God, the Israelites, what was their relationship with forgiveness? And that's not an easy task. Cause like we said, it's a year long, class at a Bible college. Um, so was that, did you have a, a initial spot that you wanted to go or did you have to go straight to the old Testament and do some research? No, I think him and I had talked about creating just an overview of what was it mm. that the old Testament saints were looking forward to Yeah, that Jesus came to fulfill and what we live in now that he's risen. 
So once mm. we put it into that and him and I talked a little bit, I knew that I was just going to hit on some some of the bigger thematic parts of Old Testament yeah. rather than the delving all to the dispensations mm, or covenant yeah. theology, wherever you go, however you fall into that. Yeah. I just wanted to hit on some of the bigger thematic parts of how forgiveness operated in the Old Testament mm-hmm. compared to how it operates where we are now. Yeah. And I think that you did an amazing job of not, you could have picked one story and, and stuck there. Um, but I thought what you did was so great about just hitting some of the the touchstones as someone who has gone through an old Testament survey and a history of Israel class, all of that. I was like, those are all the touchstones that I would look for of, um, especially the serpent on, on the rod and then, um, Adam and Eve. And, and what I also really appreciated that you did, Scott, was you used personal stories and illustrations to not make the old Testament figures, caricatures, right. Of like, man, these guys, they never understand anything and they're always off base. But then you cut to a side and said, aren't we very much like them? And I thought that was super impactful because so often we read the old Testament and we're like, these guys never, never had the right idea. And so often we find ourselves in that. So, um, I kind of want to touch on your three points and in your message, you talked about alliteration, but what was your, um, what was the first point that you landed on for the message? Um, Forgiveness in the old Testament was by faith, not by law. Yeah. And I can't take full claim on those. Those came from a message I found online and kind of took some points from there and built around it with some of my thematic alliterations. (laughs) (laughs) Um, When you, when you came across that sermon, because that's also a very, um, it's a very typical thing for preachers to do is to kind of find a framework or a outline. Was it something when you saw that uh, message, you're just like, this is exactly where I want to go. Or did you deviate from it? No, I do. I, whenever I sit down, I open my computer up to do some research. I always pray. I said, all right, Lord, who, who out there has come before me that's kind of <laughs> yeah. tackled yeah. this that I yeah. can learn from? Because right. really, Provide a I'm not going to plagiarize anything, but we try to follow each yeah. other's notes and we build on each other. And, this is one of the first things I found in this author really, I'm sorry, I don't have it written down here. Usually I give cre- credibility there, but um, this author had broken out into three things, like the big thematic things I saw. And I'm like, I'm just borrowing those. They yeah. worked really, really well. Yeah. So I just went from there. I think one of the um, new learnings for me in this, there was like a heart learning later that I'll share later, but the intellectual learning for me was um, faith, not by law. Because mm. I think we attribute the law in the Old Testament to being the way that people found right standing with the Lord and with their right. their community. And so, but I hadn't really thought to look at Hebrews reflecting back on the right. Old Testament yeah. saying that these people were living by faith when they mm-hmm. died. They hadn't seen the things that were promised. Yeah. It was as if they were looking at a far off country, yeah. things that were going to be coming in the future. Yeah. And that's where it's important. If you know, like whether you're dispensation or covenants or whether that's why like Noah, he didn't have the law, yeah, but he had faith mm-hmm. in God. Adam and Eve didn't have the law. Abraham yeah. didn't even have the law. Yeah. Isaac and Jacob didn't have the uh, law. Yeah. So long before the law, which people, a lot of people think about in the old Testament, yeah. there was faith that people placed in what God revealed to them in that mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. He's revealed more to us now along the way, since he's been here, but they that's where the content of their faith was different than ours, yeah. but it was still rooted in God, faith in God, the promise of a Savior. Yeah. That's always been there since the beginning. Each one of us just have 
a distinct advantage over generations before us of more revelation that's been revealed right. to us. Mm. Right. No, that's good. It was good learning. I, I mm-hmm. think I forget about that because the law always predominates conversation in right. the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And that's why Hebrews 11 is such a key chapter yeah. in all of that because mm-hmm. it brings it all back down to faith. Mm. Well, I think what's so difficult about the Old Testament, especially trying to teach from it and learn from it, is there's so much context that needs to be discovered, right? Because we are not living under the laws or the covenants or even the the lifestyle and and worldview that the Israelites were living under. And I thought that you you did a good job of not besmirching the Old Testament, which is so easy to do when you're on stage and just say, you know, let's look at the red letters in the New Testament. But um, what I really, really enjoyed was just you hit so many stories, so many different slices, and we're able to pull that common thread of forgiveness in the Old Testament through and point it back to Jesus, right? And you didn't just skip forward to here's where Jesus comes. But I think what your message did was showed the love of God that he gave the Israelites so many opportunities, right, to be in relationship with him. He said, first off, here's a covenant, here's a promise, you guys keep breaking them. You don't like them. Now you want a king. I'll give you a king. You don't like the king. You know, now I'll give you the law. You guys right. don't like the law. And then instead of just giving up on us, which he had full right to do, he's like, all right, I'll send my son. Is that good enough? You know? And even now there's a lot of people are like, I just would love like a moral code to live by. And it's like, no, you wouldn't because the Israelites hated it. Right. And I loved your, <laughs> I loved your story about, um, the serpents and the kids in the backseat. Yeah, I hope that didn't, you know, offend anybody too deeply, but no, I don't know. It's so funny. I, well, oh, no, there's lots of nodding in yes, the audience. It's kind of like I just imagine myself on those road trips, you know, trying to reach back there and I'm <laughs> yeah. trying to grab an iPad from some kid and I'm accidentally, you know, raking yeah. him across the head and I'm like, give me that iPad and I'm going to pull this car. Don't make me pull right. over. Yeah. Other than do we just have a brood of vipers in here we can let loose? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, that also is a new learning too for me that seeing the um, venomous snakes released was actually a mercy, right? Mm -hmm. Right. But But nobody sees death in that way. You know, everybody's like, oh my gosh, that seems, you know, punitive or different, Mm -hmm. you know, like harsh. But it was like, actually, it drove them back to the heart of God, right? Right. They were. Yeah, we could go down that whole doctrine of causality where. God uses, there's nothing in the world that exists, even evil, without God's permission. Yeah. We could go really down that rabbit hole. Yep. But the idea that I wanted to draw out of that is that God had to reveal again the desperation of themselves yeah. can never be fulfilled by themselves. Mm-hmm. Even if I were to relieve you from the wandering of the desert, you're going to go back to this. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give you a story, an image mm-hmm. of what's to come someone on taking a burden away from you to heal you. Mm -hmm. And that's the savior that's coming, the Messiah. Yeah. And that did become a reminder to them throughout their history. So that's why Jesus, that's why Jesus brought it up to Nicodemus, who I didn't talk about in the sermon, who was a Pharisee. He goes, do you not remember the serpent raised in the wilderness? I guarantee you. And Nicodemus is like, oh yeah, I remember that. (laughs) That was like a story we learned as kids. We didn't want to get bit by snakes. Yeah. So it was like this monumental moment for the Israelites that I've told you a Savior is coming. So now you're going to have a living example of how you need to look to something beyond yourselves. Yeah. So oh, I thought it was a really thinking cool Thinking how yeah. cool it would be to be... <laughs> uh, 
a fly a on Jewish the wall. person oh. to see all the connections that the Lord pulls, you know, like, hey, you've heard, remember the snake story. Okay, this is how Jesus, you know, mm-hmm. you know, how, yep. how you can recognize the role of Christ, yeah. you know, the Messiah. And I was cool to see all those part ties. Of, and part of what I was trying to do, Brian, too, I'm sorry, I, that's the second time I've called him Brian. But <laughs> I was okay. trying to do Hayden. I'll that, take that as a compliment. I wanted to first talk about how the law revealed that you couldn't be good enough. It mm-hmm. wasn't the law didn't provide the avenue. It's not mm-hmm. that. I could have gone deeper and saying it, it was, was the, the mirror word of God. you said. Yes. Yeah. And then that pulled us to self because what the law revealed was that in yourself there's no good. Mm-hmm. You can't live to this moral code that God mm-hmm. has given you to do. So that's why it's not about yourself. It's about the servant that's coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I um what I noticed, especially when I looked at your notes from the beginning, in it said uh, old forgiveness in the Old Testament. I think a lot of um, Christians, especially young and new Christians, there's a little bit of dissonance, right, between the God of the Old Testament and then the Jesus and God that we see in the New Testament, right? And at times it can feel like, uh, maybe I don't need to learn from the Old Testament. Maybe I can just stick to the New Testament because this is the God that I identify with, the meek, peaceful one. Um, but what I think is interesting, and you pointed it out in those stories, is that there was a lot of love from God that was poured out onto the Israelites. He just did it in a different way, right? Because that was the relationship established. And you even said it when you were talking about the venomous snakes, right? Like there was still love in that because he didn't just set the snakes out and say, all right, you guys are on your own. It was, here's the avenue that you guys will get back to a healthy relationship with me and, um, this obviously won't be a plague that just destroys you guys. I'm going to um, put the the snake's head on a rod, and you guys, when you look at it, you'll be saved, right? Um, but I think there is a little bit of dissonance that we walk into when we talk about the Old Testament God that we see and the New Testament God we see. And was that something that you felt like you had to work through a little bit when you are putting together your sermon, the, the very different um, view people have of God in the Old Testament and the New Testament? Yeah, because exactly, because I think a lot of people incorrectly look at the look at God through the lens of the Old Testament yep. and get the wrong vision of who God was. Because mm-hmm. it, it's very easy to see that with the the death, you mm-hmm. know, the plagues, the tr- everything yeah. that happens to compare to the God they see through Jesus. And what they yeah. forget is that there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and they're all distinct in their attributes and characteristics, but they're mm-hmm. one God, they're yeah. one being. Um, so part of what, that's part of why I started with the story of the Garden of Eden mm-hmm. and why I closed with it again, because I wanted to paint the picture that Jesus came to find them. God came yeah. to find them. And God said, where are you? Mm-hmm. And once he covered them for their sins, he said, now, unfortunately, here's the consequences of your sin. Yeah. And that's what he said, by the way, um, Satan, you will have a temporary victory, but I'll have the eternal victory. Mm-hmm. So that's the heart that he's had from the beginning is to rescue us. Yeah. And people just get lost in the means or methods by which he brings us back to himself. Mm-hmm. And we can't look at it through the way he looks at it because we don't have the mind, the heart, the knowledge, the the experience of God. Yeah. That that's was so the good. part that when I said I would say it later about like the heart learning. Yeah. Like. Um, when you wrapped up at the end and you went back to the garden, garden of Eden story and, um, you know, God calling out, where are you? 
Where mm-hmm. are you? I just love that he seeks us and pursues yeah. mm-hmm. us. Yeah. And it was such a sweet, sweet reminder of that. And mm-hmm. then it wasn't to shame or punish. It mm-hmm. was he covered them with mercy. Yeah. Ah, I was like so great. ready for the yeah. major ugly cry at well, that point. I know, and there's yeah. a whole visual I have of that. That Okay, first of all, he knelt in the dirt and mud to create Adam and breathe life into him. Mm-hmm. Then he put Adam to sleep and did surgery on him to pull a rib <laughs> yeah. out to create Eve. And now here's God again, the creator of everything, kneeling in the woods, sewing cloth. He had to, he had to sacrifice an animal mm-hmm. to get the skin, to sew them together. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. To me, it's like we've God is majestic, glory, mm-hmm. holy mm-hmm. honor that we can never even go near. We fall on the ground in the face of him. Yeah. Yet he kneels in the woods to create clothing for Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. And I think we forget about that intimacy that yeah. God wanted that he didn't get with the angels that he mm-hmm. wants with us. Yeah. yeah. And, and if that we put he created every, us for. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's what we have to continually come back to the beginning. And it's of our the story. sin that makes us hide and run away from mm-hmm. that intimacy. It, you yes. know, and I just the shame yeah. of it all. Yeah. You know? Well, and I th- even to go to the the um intimacy of it all, you see in Job at the end of Job, um, after God just kind of lays into Job of like, hey, where were you, man? Like when I was creating the heavens, the earth, all of that. Job has his realization and his moment of solace at the end of that book and says, although I had no right to ask, my God knelt and answered me. And you get to see that intimacy, exactly what Scott was talking about, kneeling in the dirt, right? God coming down, condescending into human flesh, right? And and having that intimacy with us. So I hope that, that people that were here on Sunday or watching it online got to look at God in the Old Testament in a new light because I think all too often we ignore it or we move past it or we say, oh, I'm not under that law, so this doesn't pertain to me. But really, you get to see so much epic foreshadowing of Jesus who is to come, and you get to see the heart of our God throughout thousands of years, right? So so I have a question for you, Hayden. I'll flip the tables on because one thing I did oh, wonder about is yeah. – <laughs> Even though we walk, that's where this last point I had by God's guarantee, not by goats, is that mm-hmm. I was trying to help answer the question, at least that I've gotten before yeah. as a youth pastor or in different scenarios and Bible studies of, all right, I get how forgiveness all worked, yeah. but it forgiveness, a lot of people like forgiveness is all centered on the cross. We yeah. have forgiveness because, and I go, well, we have the forgiveness and promise of salvation from the cross mm-hmm. and resurrection. So I was trying to get paint this picture of how God's time continuum isn't ours, mm-hmm. how he could look forward and know what was coming. Yep. So that's why in the present he could do something. Yep. And I didn't know if I created a good enough analogy of that, um, you know, other than the flux capacitor. Yeah. But <laughs> I just, I'm wondering if that resonated or that create more questions for you when I was explaining that. No, I mean, it's something that I had, I mean, going to Bible college, they talk about how... Um, Western civilizations, what which we fall into, look at time linearly. Um, right. That's a hard word for me to say, but in a line, right? And then the Hebrews actually looked at time as more of a helix shape, right? Of it's always going around and you get to see a lot of the same things happening. And then you talk about God, how does he view time? Well, God is time, right? And time is in God. And it's such a tricky conversation for us to talk about because not only did God see the future and in the past and he's in the moment and he's in every moment, it gets really difficult for us because we have no bearings to think about it like that, right? We see time linearly. What happened, happened, and what's going to happen, we don't know about. 
But when you get into the conversation of forgiveness and Jesus on the cross, there is a certain amount that we have to remove ourselves and understand we don't see time like God does, but God has seen everything that will happen. And a big question that comes up, I think, with a lot of people who are new Christians or non-believers is, you know, why would God allow this stuff to happen? And it's like, there's free will. Like, he sees what will happen. There's free will for us to live in that. But um, I think you did a great job of explaining that. And um, I yeah. I expect people probably still have some questions, but that's always going to happen with time and God. Yeah, because I think what I was trying to solve for people is that forgiveness has been there from the beginning. Mm-hmm. God, the forgiveness in the Old Testament is still centered and directed and allowed by yep. God. Mm-hmm. It's rooted in God. Mm-hmm. And his character and nature has never changed. Yeah. The content of what that looks like, Christ's death, burial, and resurrection ushered in, fulfilled the law once and for all as a yeah. final sacrifice. You know how long you have to do all this. You now have full relationship and access mm-hmm. to me because Jesus is now your priest. Yep. And that's where I didn't dive more into that. Mm-hmm. There was always some sort of mediator when we got to the Mosaic law and things like that. Whereas God once and for all did away with that. And now the mediator is Jesus. We have the avenue of the Holy Spirit to go directly to him. Mm-hmm. And that's how forgiveness continues to move forward yeah. because it's based on that final sacrifice. We don't have mm-hmm. to go back to all this anymore. Yeah. Well, and I, I you, you touched on the difference between forgiveness and salvation in your message, correct? I tried to briefly. Yeah. I don't know if it resonated, though. Well, I think that's a crucial thing as, as well to talk about when your question was, you know, how did people in the Old Testament before Jesus, how did they, um, how are they forgiven if the forgiveness is found with Jesus dying on the cross? I think that's a big part of, you know, you mentioned goats. I think Allison and I talked this week about scapegoats and the whole tradition of goats and Jewish um, customs and and the whole conversation of there is forgiveness in the Old Testament, but salvation isn't tied to forgiveness in the Old Testament like it is moving forward of Jesus dying on the cross for us and we have salvation through relationship with him. But those acts were not salvation acts, right, of right. killing the goat. It was forgiveness. The wages of sin is death. And that is also a very tricky kind of muddy water area to discuss, but it it's also something that you see in the Old Testament is right. acts of atonement and forgiveness and all of that. So um, I want to ask you this question, but I know that you're probably going to have a lot, but was there anything that you had to cut out for time? <laughs> I feel like you I should have cut out references. more for time. Once again, <laughs> instead of saying, you know, saying more with less, I say less with more. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you do. <laughs> but honestly, you do I feel that um, a lot. <laughs> I know. I feel I, like Old I Testament like forgiveness could be a month long series because there's just so much in there. Right. And you had For to do sure. you had to squeeze so much in there. Right. I think I think the one thing that I would try to unravel a little bit more is that um God had a plan of salvation from the beginning. Yep. Along the way, he needed to let people that put their faith in him know, I know you're not going to be perfect, so I have forgiveness to restore relationship with me along the way. And all of that is based upon the future salvation I'm going to provide for all of mankind. Yeah. So forgiveness and salvation, they're interlocked, they're linked together, but they're also Mm -hmm. different because you can't truly have salvation if you don't seek the forgiveness of what God is offering you in his son. 
Now, the Old Testament people couldn't do that because the son hadn't yet come, but they trusted that the mm-hmm. forgiveness God was giving them would be a banner for what future was coming. Yep. And that's where we go down that rabbit hole of trying to think of the way God views things and yeah. we do. Um, but that's why I tried to share that little story Michael mm-hmm. shared with me at the end. That Yeah, that was amazing. The dad threw it out there for any person, any boy out there named Paco to come and hopefully my son will be one of the ones that responds. God doesn't hope. He knows. Yeah. But that's why I was trying to create this picture of forgiveness is the first step to a, self, to a saving reconciliation or relationship with God. Mm. Yeah. I'm curious. I'll, I'll pitch this to... I don't know to... if I didn't mean that well. <laughs> <laughs> You're just looking at me like that was no, very... I was just thinking it's like the barrier that removes. Like if there's a space between you and I and mm-hmm. there's something in the middle that... Yep. Um, I'm hiding from because I'm ashamed. Mm-hmm. And you're like, no, dude, come, let's be friends again. Forgiveness is the thing that, or confession and forgiveness, I suppose. I need to come and say, yeah. there's a thing. And you're like, hey, let's remove that. Let's mm-hmm. um, atone for that. Mm-hmm. Right. And now we're back in relationship together. Yeah. Right. And so. I think it. I think what's so cool about the Old Testament is if you read and you learn the history and you understand how... Um, actions have consequences in the old Testament. Um, if you don't read that first, some of those stories in the new Testament don't hit quite as hard, right? Like even we were talking about the serpent's head on the staff, but I was thinking about today with forgiveness and we saw how much of a calculus forgiveness was back then with, you know, killing a goat or any of these acts, you don't get to see how beautiful the story of the prodigal son is, right? Like all of those Old Testament people are like, no, we had to kill goats and you're just letting them back in and throwing a feast. Like it, it gives you a new appreciation for a lot of what Jesus did in the New Testament when you know how things used to be yeah. in the Old Testament. Yeah. Um, I want to pitch this to you guys as we're getting ready to wrap up. Um, is there any um, sermons or books or studies that you guys would recommend if um, someone listened to the message and they're like, I think I want to get into the Old Testament a little bit more. I want to learn a little bit more about this. Do you guys have any resources off the top of your head or even a good place to start if you want to just read your Bible through the Old Testament? Any, I know this is on the spot. Any, anything by C.S. Lewis where he talks yeah. through forgiveness, and I'm not pulling the names of the books off the top of my yeah. head. He, he delves into it in mere Christianity. Yep. But anything by C.S. Lewis is really strong on forgiveness. So I'd point people to his writings. He tends to really break it down very well. Okay. Yeah. And then Beth Moore did a Bible study on the tabernacle, which mm. holds so much meaning mm-hmm. in yeah. terms of God's relationship. Like, how will I commune with you? How will you... Like, how will we do this life together back yeah. in the Old Testament um, and all the parallels? Yeah. Forget if it's called Tabernacle or if it's called... Could be, yeah. I yeah. just know most stuff by Beth Moore is really good. Oh, yeah. Go- yeah. <laughs> She's legit. Yeah. yeah. I I also really like, because um, it, it kind of starts in Genesis and moves forward, but there's a book by... Um, I'm going to shout him out like I always do. John Mark Comer called uh, Garden City and Hmm. um, is really, really good. And it just kind of, it starts out in Genesis and it's, I think that like the subtitle of the book is like uh, something about like the art of being human or the idea of like, this is what God had for us from the get go. And here's how the plan has changed from our perspective, even though we know God has a different view of time. So the plan wasn't changing for him just for us, but I'd recommend that. Um, Before we close out, is there any um, additional things we want to say or um, 
yeah, just opening the floor for sort you. Sort of just an unformed thought, but remember yeah. um, how the Lord would ask for sacrifices, like we want an unblemished lamb, we yeah. want a like goat mm-hmm. of yeah. three horns or yeah. whatever. It seems like super specific. I think that would be blemish. A tri-horned. <laughs> <laughs> like he seemed really specific about right. like he did. either mm-hmm. the color or the yeah. quality yeah, or whatever. And I just was thinking that I wonder if he did that because when you enter into forgiveness with someone, there's so much intentionality that needs to happen. Mm -hmm. It's not something that you're lazy about. It's not something that you're like, well, whatever, like fine, you know, like forgive me or, you know, it's not something that we should take lightly. I would think it takes time to find an unblemished lamb or a goat with three horns Mm -hmm. (laughs) or whatever. And, in that process of going to find that item that the person is like doing some introspection, Mm -hmm. talking with the Lord about this wrong thing. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I just wonder if that, I know it sets us up for Christ being the unblemished lamb of the, Mm -hmm. you know, world. But I also wonder if there was part of the intentionality of, Yes. Forgiveness. I've always I've always explained it as there has to be a purity of intent. Yep. Because yes. if I'm if I'm coming to seek forgiveness yep. and restoration with you, yeah, there needs to be a purity of intent, yeah, mm-hmm. and a purity in my heart that mm-hmm. I'm being vulnerable and open to you. Yep. Yeah. And I'm not trying to hold anything back or trying to make make amends. Well, I, here's my excuse or anything. Right. There's a purity of intent, and so when you had to have a perfectly pure animal, which yep. there, but you know without blemish. If you're going to wade into forgiveness, yep. you're going to a God that is without blemish, mm-hmm. and you need to come in saying, I'm trying to be pure in my intent to be unblemished before you again, even though we know we can never be that fully. Yeah. In his view, in his eyes of us, we can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's how I've always thought of it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I think I think there's something to that and that I hadn't thought before. So now when I seek forgiveness with the Lord, yeah. you know, like... I don't want to be sloppy. I don't want mm-hmm. to be lazy. Right. I don't want mm-hmm. to be casual. cavalier. Yeah, casual. Mm-hmm. It's like it, it takes intent mm-hmm. and pure. Yep. Yeah, and there's you're you're giving by pu- choosing one of the best of the animals that you had, which is a whole different mm-hmm. story of the Old mm-hmm. Testament than where we live now. It you are recognizing I am coming to you for with, with the purest best intent I have mm-hmm. something of value yes because right? I value mm-hmm. what I'm what I'm what I'm gaining access to you for which is relationship mm-hmm. yeah yeah and it's going to cost me something yeah and that's why like when they had visitors come in and they did things they said kill the fatted calf or the best yep. that we have mm-hmm. it's a it's a show of honor and purity mm-hmm. that we recognize we don't deserve this mm-hmm. but we're honoring you mm-hmm. with it mm-hmm. We see that we give God the first fruits, right, in the Old Testament. Right. And they even look wasted, you know, yeah. like, because it's like they're just going to get burned up. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like, like you're not making lamb burgers afterwards <laughs> or <laughs> heroes or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> lamb burgers. There you go. So, I mean, in a way, it gets wasted, but it isn't wasted. It's invested. Well, if we ever want to start a, uh, a rest, a church theme restaurant, Euro euros and lamb burgers, and then Scott Arras. said mana tacos too. Yeah. So, um, with a little bit of sand sprinkled on top. Yeah. So, uh, well, thank you guys you so for much that? for listening and watching the follow up podcast, and we will see you guys next week. Thank you. Thank you.